Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. And my name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. We are recording this on the eve of the inauguration and on the eve of Hitman 3. <laughs> Man, if I was the Hitman team right now, I would be really hoping that the inauguration goes down without a hitch tomorrow. Yes, yeah. That's going to make for some difficult SEO if things go wrong. Not that we should be joking about that. And by the time people hear this, they'll know one way or the other whether things continued as normal or whether we are in the middle of a national crisis currently. <laughs> yeah, I don't envy the future people necessarily um, this week, but there are other times where, you know, maybe, hey, if all goes well, right, H, then we should always envy the future people this entire year as the future people should be living in a one week improved uh, world if we did this right. Uh, speaking of the the near future, uh, I've been playing a bit of Watch Dogs Legion recently, and it's such a weird game. Like I really don't even know how to summarize any thoughts on it because for everything that I like about it, there's also something where I'm like, okay, that's that aspect of it is not so good. And it's, it is like a tit for tat with like every little point that I could possibly bring up in a review. And I just don't know what to think about it. Like, have you, have you played Watch Dogs Legion? I haven't, you know, it's funny. I was actually kind of excited at the premise and uh, mm -hmm. obviously the first E3 was a nice reveal and of course everyone pointed to oh look you can be a grandma and all that sort of stuff but the worry i think with any systemic system like that if that's even a, a systemic system it is by its nature systemic the worry of course is that it's going to be you know just kind of copy and pasty and samey is that how you're finding it uh there are aspects of that definitely like you can tell that the, the individual scenes do not feel like trip away quality, hmm. but taken in the context of like they have, you know, 22 different voice actors doing all of these scenes and they can swap them in and out based on who you have in your group. Like that's pretty impressive. And I'm I'm kind of OK with that. Like I, I don't mind the jankiness of the cutscenes because, I mean, I've been playing games with like janky cutscenes for <laughs> decades and it hasn't really bothered me it's just, it just feels more kind of like it has a core idea it knew that it was going to have to sacrifice a bit of polish to get there so that that aspect of it doesn't really bother me that much like if anything i've kind of grown attached to my kind of main dude in the in my legion mm -hmm. the guy that i started out with which is a um terrific character his name aaron i'm, I'm sure it's random names for everybody so even players other players with errands couldn't even um, compare uh, their characters to mine but um, he's got a great kind of uh, Jamaican accent and he's got a uh, great kind of African sense of, of clothing style and it's just a terrific protagonist he's got a good attitude about things <laughs> I don't know it's like you just spend a little bit of time with somebody and knowing that they are your protagonist and that nobody else in the world <laughs> shares that exact experience. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It feels kind of, it feels more special than just, you know, sitting down with devil may cry and playing everyone's Dante, you know, it's kind of different in that way. Yeah. I, I think that's really interesting. And I do think that what this sort of, um, game design is really onto is in the future, 
the jank, as you point out, or the maybe some of the flatness, some of these things can be overcome with technology, right? It's just, can the computer simulate enough and can the systems uh, kind of hold together enough, whether it's literally the pixels mm -hmm. or the audio stitching and all that sort of things. But, you know, we are at the point where our digital assistants, your, your uh, series and Google, whatever Google's one is called, um, I think it's just, okay, Google, right? They are entirely synthetic in their um, voice and vocal construction. So uh, you can see with some pieces being put together that those things can be overcome. And hopefully we enjoy a lot more unique to us experiences in the future. I think one of my kind of predominant takeaways from Watchdogs Legion is just that like for all of the technology that goes into powering the reflections and the ray tracing and everything that kind of pushes it into the next generation. You do get some really beautiful reflections off of things. It is quite stunning from a kind of progress of the medium perspective to see, you know, entire streets reflected back in shop windows and seeing, you know, the reflections kind of vary and how they reflect on different surfaces and stuff like that is uh, impressive. But like, it's a very ugly game as well. Like it's just, it's yeah. all of the characters have these kind of like really gaunt, like sunken in faces, um, which is, I guess, an artifact of the procedural generation. Like the hair looks absolutely terrible. <laughs> the, the water is like, it's kind of like over reflected in a way. It's like movies that use like stop motion or something like that. And then they use something to represent the water that obviously isn't water. And you can just kind of tell, like, something's not right about that, but whatever. Um, it's part of the craft. Like, the the city is always, and this is just probably an aspect of it being London, the city's always uh, kind of gray and, and rainy and everything. It's just like, it's a very ugly game, but at the same time, it's just very comfortable to be in. And, like, I, I do still, like, enjoy my time just kind of puttering about the city and working out how to get, you know, some of the collectibles along the way. And there's always stuff to do and there's always things to collect. And, you know, it's an Ubisoft game in that way. But I don't know, I, I tend to like those really kind of comfortable games and I'm, I'm, I'm gelling with it so far, but it, like, it's hard to point to any specific thing that it does really well without having something mm. kind of on the flip side of that same card that it completely drops the ball on. That is uh, Watchdog giveth, Watchdog taketh away. That's right. After Watch Dogs 2, though, such a nice looking game and uh, really a real kind of treat to play. This one does feel like a bit of a step down, but it's at least a step in an interesting direction. So um, I'm not sure I would trade it for the perfect Watch Dogs 3, but um, I'm kind of curious to see what they do next. I I hope the series continues, and I think it will. Yeah. Anyways, let's get to our video game pitches for the day and see if we can incorporate some swings for the fences and whatever we do. So we're going to start with you today. What are you bringing us? I want to pitch. The pitch is simple, but I think the exploration might be broad. So I'm pitching a game where we play in the cyberpunk universe of Johnny Mnemonic. Do you remember this movie? H? I, I know a bit about it. It's um, Keanu Reeves movie. Is that right? Mm -hmm, that's right. Yeah. Johnny Mnemonic is a um, and I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I think it's Johnny Mnemonic, uh, but it is a cyberpunk uh, movie where Johnny is played by Keanu Reeves and he is an information courier of sorts. And the information that he is storing 
gets downloaded straight into his brain. Yes, Keanu Reeves has been in multiple movies where he gets his brain plugged into a computer. Um, and, uh, and maybe even a video game now. I haven't played it yet. But uh, the idea being that you are a one of these information courier type people and maybe you have to, maybe it's kind of Grand Theft Auto open world style, or maybe it's kind of linear, uh, almost, um, gosh, what, what's the word I'm thinking for? Metroid-like, where you have to acquire skills and information, and the only way to get them is to hunt down a person and capture them and successfully download the information that they have in their mm. brains and that allows you to do more and more things. So maybe our watchdogs experience is very timely here because I can imagine it being very procedural like that. So information courier, I need to capture people to acquire their knowledge and skills. And then I use those skills some way, maybe to complete puzzles or a story or something like that. Very cool. Starting the clock. This is actually really appropriate when put in the context of watchdogs Legion, because Legion does have, some courier missions that you can engage on at various points throughout the map, you find uh, kind of post boxes that have boxes or packages inside that you can choose to pick up and then it'll tell you where it needs to be dropped. You know, it's kind of death stranding like as well. For some reason, once you grab it, you know, the cops are after you, I guess it's illegal for you to be making these drops, even though these boxes seem to be on just about every corner. So I don't know what the cops think that they're doing. Maybe there's, <laughs> maybe they're not allowed to interfere until somebody actually, it's like, a, it's like cities where, uh, where marijuana is legal to own, but not legal to buy. It's like, they can't catch you if you have it. But uh, <laughs> once you, once you decide to sell it, then right. they just have to give you a very for a stern, where'd you get that? Found it, picked it off a tree. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, you can, uh, you can use this, uh, this kind of framework of, kind of existing in the city, uh, almost a level of social stealth, you know, kind of Assassin's Creed like of trying to kind of blend into the crowd. But maybe as you gain more of the data, you become more of a immediate target. Kind of maybe there's a like a radius around you where police can detect you mm. have this data stored in your brain. Yeah. Maybe you can kind of wireless wirelessly transfer another thing I enjoy in watchdogs is that you always have this kind of wireless connection with the world around you. And as you're walking down the street, if you pass by an ATM, then you can just kind of like, you know, hit a button and get some money wired to your account. And so you're always kind of like being mindful of your environment and trying to notice things here and there that can give you these little bonuses. And so maybe, you know, maybe there are these kind of sources of data Maybe you can be sensitive to Wi-Fi networks, home Wi-Fi networks that you're getting close to, to kind of download more of these packages, maybe even using other people's phones or any kind of computers or anything that would give off like a, like a radio signal you could use to kind of hack into the internet and, um, you know, Bitcoin style kind of download little packets of this information from various sources until you have like a uh, kind of a whole, the, the whole kind of form of the data, um, you know, in watchdogs also you can download, oftentimes there will be kind of gates or something that are locked by an electronic key. And then you can send your little mm. drones or robots or anything, or sneak in yourself and then find, you know, the 
iPad where this electronic key is being stored and then kind of hack it or download it from there. And then you have this key for that building. And so, you know, you can unlock more of the city this way and you can uh, find ways to, uh, to, I guess, to make the world more accessible to you in the sandbox. I like the idea of uh, having spent a few more hours with uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I, I do think that there is something to their approach of the skill tree. If it's a little organic, you can kind of go through many, many paths on it. And, uh, you know, it's not quite the like Path of Exile or the Final Fantasy Sphere Grid level of complexity, but, you know, there's some, something to it. And uh, the idea of the people in the world being the skill tree. And uh, Johnny uh, <laughs> Mnemonic has kind of this, I guess, mechanic in the movie where the type of information that he carries, depending on its, uh, you know, encryption or how much of it he has stored, can um, really cause you like permanent brain damage. So there's kind of a a timer of how long he can keep information in his brain before it sort of kills him. And uh, or or at least severely uh, damages his brain. And so I like the idea of you can kind of go throughout the world. And if you can, (laughs) I mean, I keep saying capture, capture, kill something. If you can steal somehow the the skills and knowledge of a person or at least copy them. So maybe you don't leave them in a terrible state. You kind of design your character into a skill tree, but always with some amount of information limits. So, uh, and uh, presumably if you did leveling up, you could always carry more and more. Uh, I think it's like uh, gigabytes. <laughs> he's, got, he's got multiple gigabytes of information in his brain. So more gigabytes of info by the end of the game, you can acquire many, many different types of skills. But maybe at the beginning, you know, if you want like survival skills, you might go into a diner and steal a cooking skill from a, you know, a, a chef and then, Maybe you have to go and find a, a security guard or something to get a weapon skill and that sort of thing. That's interesting. Kind of treating the RPG like leveling system, almost like a consumable resource or something where you can't max out your character. You have to really kind of treat every situation very individually um, because you can't have too much of that data in your brain. It's almost like a near automata where you have like a limited number of chip slots, you know, as you plug more in, then you would need to make space Mm. by unplugging other ones. And you could even unplug chips that represent like the HUD of the game. And so if you play (laughs) without a HUD, then you have one more slot to plug in something like a damage booster or something like that, that you might find more useful. That's cool. Yeah, that's neat. And then, uh, cause, cause I also like the, the idea of like, um, a, a, piece of military personnel might have, uh, you know, 10 gigabytes of weapons data in their mind. And yeah, you can, you can download just a gigabyte of it and get the same, maybe that's the same level as just getting a security guard. But as you get into more and more, um, higher level or restricted information spaces, uh, you can, uh, you can choose whether or not like in a moment you want to dump a skill and it, you know, it almost ends up feeling a little bit like a dead cells, right? Or like, Hey, there's this weapon on the ground right now. 
do you want to just get rid of all your hand-to-hand combat skill in order to pick up uh, to to know how this uh, grenade launcher works and i like the idea of being able to like pick up one of these weapons anyway but if you don't know how to do it like there's just a massive massive percentage chance that you're going to kill yourself with it that's interesting as well having to start with low and lower skills and work your way up rather than going straight to a master and downloading there because you're you know if you went straight to like a kung fu master and downloaded Mm -hmm. the ability to fight your body's not going to be toned or ready for the level of uh, martial arts that you would be performing so you know having to having to kind of appropriately ramp up you know maybe these kind of like mental skills could be paired with like physical skills as well and then those are permanent you know if mm. your body gets stronger or if you become more agile or something, then that is a permanent stat that doesn't decrease when you swap parts in and out of your body or um, oh, yeah. in and out of your mind. You could do sort of uh, trace memory sort of things where like um, almost Skyrim stats when you like use jump enough you become better at jumping and so if you keep enough of the karate skill in your mind and use it enough times on people just a little bit gets left over so you can you can purge it but you know you might still be able to you know it raise your base chances successful hand-to-hand combat and I, I one of the things that i and again, I found out they're pushing it this week. I'm going to be waiting till I guess late in the year to play the next gen cyberpunk patch. But uh, one thing that I think any cyberpunk game that you just get stronger and stronger and stronger doesn't quite nail is this, you know, these, the cyberpunk is a dystopia and the people are um, often oppressed. And even the ones that are well-privileged, like ones that are working in these massive corporations or working with the corporations are often really pathetic people. Everyone is just kind of scraping and ruthlessly trying to get by. And so I do like the idea of you, you know, at your core, you are kind of this very, fragile weak character and you're stealing from others to make your way and have your skills let's shut that down let's give it a name the the spelling of uh mnemonic from johnny mnemonic is m-n-e-m-o-n-i-c maybe there's something in that word to have some fun with we can call it a mnemonic drill kind of like a mnemonic drill but it does have something to do with memory. I don't know what the drill would be, but I wonder if we do like the the tech company like N U M O N I C or something like that, just to or N E W Newmonic. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of fun. That would be what Nintendo would name their data delivery system. <laughs> yeah, that's right. After the Nintendo Monic. The Nintendo Monic. That's a good name too, actually. All right, uh, let's go over to my pitch for the day. Tell me. Today, I'm going to be bringing in an asynchronous sailing or naval warfare game that uses actual records of actual historical voyages or sea battles, um, allowing you to, in a way, kind of play directly against people who died hundreds of years ago. So... I don't know if this would be too easy because they wouldn't be reacting to anything that you're doing. Right. Because all of their choices would be pre-recorded, but I want some way of kind of directly interfacing with these uh these voyages that took place way back in time and uh, perhaps using these kind of real nautical maps and studies and stuff. 
So anyways, I'm going to start the clock. I like the idea if this is like, if this has multiple modes and one of them is this tit for tat historical thing, which maybe, you know, once you know the moves, you know the moves on that one. So it's more kind of puzzle game than anything else. But then the, then the idea of, and you see this in some sports games, uh, Madden did this for a couple of years. I don't know if they still do it where they're like, okay, you are the Rams in the fourth quarter at the Super Bowl. You need to get 30 yards, you know? And so the idea of letting someone play out these scenarios, but perhaps on the losing side and they, they come in as the underdog with the last like three moves of the battle left to, to be had. That's an interesting idea. Um, I, I want something that, that really kind of lets you see these kind of naval battles in the way that they had really happened the way that they really took place. Um, so that you can start to kind of get a sense of, you know, how, how these types of things really happen and what it really kind of feels like to be there. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I think in video games, even really kind of accurate simulations, you're always trying to think of like, how do I get the optimal result from the system and the set of physics and calculations and dice rolls that the game does, which isn't entirely kind of true to real life. And so I think if you're working with more kind of like, you know, solid documented evidence of how these people really kind of made their decisions and how long it took to really kind of turn a ship around. Like, I feel like you would get a different perspective on the entire experience. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of, we're talking a little bit about future technology today with the watchdog stuff, but we are ever increasingly entering the era of, hey, let's take every major naval battle ever Uh, and even maybe through a particular time period and let's create an AI through just machine learning and the data input that will behave uh, as, you know, the greatest naval commanders of all time. And so maybe you not only have these modes that are a little bit more cracking the code and cracking the puzzle, but some asynchronous, uh, almost in your mind is the asynchronous stuff kind of like a almost a civilization-esque game if you will maybe with a different perspective or or things like that but kind of like i take my turn i hit end turn and then i'm just waiting for the other person to go whether it's a real time or turn based i I say asynchronous because you are kind of playing against the choices that were made by another person but just Uh not somebody that you're directly interfacing with so be somebody from the distant past I, I, I like the idea of not only being able to replay those battles, but kind of look at them and learn from them and like see one play out and see, uh, you can see where this one went wrong for this person and this one went wrong for this one and then drop you into a scenario where, okay, we've got, you know, AI, God, I don't know anybody that did anything in the night. I don't know any famous uh, shipsman, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> let's call him Jack boat, uh, you against the AI of Jack boat. And now once you've studied three of his, uh, you know, famous battles, can you go up against them yourself? I wonder if you could, I mean, I wonder if like recreating famous voyages or something like that would be interesting or just really boring like especially if they were successful it's like you don't really have to make i mean you could kind of like re uh, set a new course for the titanic but 
I mean, it feels like you just kind of need to, like, if you know where the iceberg is, it doesn't seem like it's that difficult to just kind of steer a little bit out of the way. In in terms of the asynchronous thing, one of the one of the features that is long forgotten in video games because it existed pre broadband internet really is, and I remember this distinctly, Civilization Four. Do you remember this had an email mode? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I loved the idea of being able to play overtime. It, it almost like a, a the pen pals of video games. Now, granted, we we play all together in real time now, but one of the things that you you bring up it being totally asynchronous in the same way that we can now have a meeting on Zoom or, or Google or whatever or Teams, but then also like have have a separate conversation over a longer period of time with people who are in different time zones and stuff just through heck through discord and chat apps. Like somebody can pick up where it left off hours and hours ago. So maybe there is, <laughs> I mean, I hate to use email as the medium, but maybe there is one of these modes where you can kind of transmit back and forth and just say, I'm done. It sends the other person a notification on their phone and they, log in and it's just like a really long form chess game for the multiplayer mode. Are there other types of, of kind of historical battle documents that we can use to inform other types of genres? I I'd imagine the total war games probably use quite a bit of this type of information anyways. Um, and so I, I don't know if this is ground that has been tread already, but I think it would just be really interesting to kind of, uh, to kind of see all of these historical events and kind of major world uh, battles, things that kind of shape the modern world play out and to really kind of feel the conditions that would have led to the victory for one side or the other. Because, you know, it's too easy for video games to kind of lead to an empowerment fantasy, whether it's like the Assassin's mm -hmm. Creed o Odyssey battles, where you are the by far most powerful person in the in the field. And so you're just kind of hoping that your team doesn't lose it for you before you, you know, kind of take your lawnmower of swords through the entire enemy army, which isn't the way that a battle like that would have really gone down. Um, or, you know, games where you feel like you're a little bit too far away from the action. I don't know if there's kind of a happy medium, but still being able to really kind of accurately depict all of these historical situations. Uh, I, I definitely like the idea of, pulling from history. And then I, you know, that I know the total war games, like you said, they, they kind of do these sorts of things of, Hey, this is actually how Napoleon's army advanced. And, you know, can you, can you win the scenario that Napoleon couldn't, um, sort of thing going on? I wonder though, for naval combat, I mean, maybe, or maybe we're not limiting ourselves to naval combat or are we? No, not necessarily. We can do on ground combat or whatever. Because I, I, this whole genre of now like multiplayer, big uh, battle royale or deathmatch sort of games, the world of the world of series that is for some reason, uh, I think it's one of those ones that we don't talk about a lot, but is super, super popular. World of warships, world of war tanks and all of these mm -hmm. sort of things. I imagine there is a genre to be had in both plane in the, the tank, that ground combat, the naval anything that is like these large scale vehicles and 
I even love the, you know, the Star Trek genre version of it, which is in Star Trek, the combat is very much naval combat where you're worried about your turn radius and your weapons radius yeah. and making sure the right sides of your ship are are properly protected or exposed as appropriate with uh, with all of the combat. So I, I do think you can move it up and down the sort of timeline to whatever is most interesting for each vehicle type. I think uh, I think we just about milked that idea for everything we're going to get out of it. So let's give it a name. There's the World of series. I wonder if this is like a this is like a History Channel series or something like that. So it is called World of Warships. That's the actual title of the game. I, it's, it's so it's, close to World of Warcraft, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, kind of audacious, audacious of them to name it. That. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing their booth at uh, at an E3 and being like, "Oh my god, they're they've gone for it." Uh, yeah, their World of Warships. I wonder if you have like the on your hands like the History's Greatest or something like that. Because it's less about this intense or, or like it's a, what do they call? It's a reenactment in a way, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. certainly people love doing these reenactments. Tons of people do them. This is directly lifting from something else. But what do you think of Masters and Commanders? That's fun. I mean, it's like the the book and the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But <laughs> you're playing as all sorts of different Masters and Commanders. That's fun. And since it is a generic enough term, uh, I don't think that rights would be immensely contested uh yeah let's go with that i i don't think i'm going to be able to come up with anything better so that's a tough masters one. and commanders now let's head over to our community and see what y'all have written in this week today a game idea we are reaching into the game ideas subreddit uh and it looks like this idea is from user 50 set 80 and i really like this one h a game where you platform up towers to rig a bomb at the top. However, once you activate the bomb, you have to get down again in 30 seconds or you'll die in the explosion. Okay, starting the clock. All right, so I think I need to understand the scoring, the objective mechanics here. You are, so you're going up the tower. Is Does the bomb have to be placed on like a specific floor at a specific height or... Like, what is incentivizing you to kind of go higher and to to increase the risk? Well, I um, am looking here, and it looks like that 50 set 80 continues. To get down fast enough, you have mini bombs to blow up pathways in the floor and fall down. Uh, You have space. You have to space them out a bit. Too many will kill you. So I think, like, seemingly the rise to the top of this thing is... Maybe there's even enemies and stuff. You have to kind of fight your way to the top of this tower um, or this level in such a way. But then after planting the bomb, you you almost have like a downwell um, on your hands or something where you yeah. really want to get down as fast as you can and get back to the the base of the level. So maybe there's like a, you know, a five minute climb, but somehow you have to turn that into a 30 second descent. Yeah, this I think this sounds kind of like like a on-rail shooter type of game, like a time crisis or something like that, where it just feels like very kind of over-the-top action-y in that kind of diehard 80s, 80s movie, 90s movie kind of way, you know? Yeah, I, I like, yeah, I'm playing John McClane in this, and I gotta climb back down, um, uh, what is it, no, what's the name of the tower? Oh my god. It's like Nakatomi Plaza. Nakatomi Plaza, <laughs> there you go, you got it. Um, uh, yeah, I, and... You know, here where he's talking about, um, I shouldn't say he, where they are talking about, like having some amount of weapons or something where 
you can blow holes in platforms so that you can jump through them, but it really kind of will make you, as you climb up these, if it's slow and plodding enough to climb up, you could theoretically remember, oh yeah, you know, here's the stair section and, and almost try and make the escape more like a, a downward oriented uh, or in the blind forest uh, escape scene. So, but I, I like what you're saying potentially along the way I have to set charges, you know, on all the columns and things that I see so that I, I am scored by how effectively I destructed the entire building top to bottom. This would make a fun, almost like a wrecking crew kind of game. Although, I mean, it always seems like you would be better off kind of destroying the base of a building rather than kind of hitting it up high because then you can just cause the entire thing to kind of crash down. Um, Kind of a grim subject matter, but while we're here, uh, it would be fun if the second portion of this experience was almost like a velocity game. Uh, Kind of like Mario 64 at certain levels where you know, climbing the level is rather kind of strenuous and dangerous and requires a lot of kind of platforming prowess. And then you can just kind of belly slide your way all the way down to the bottom. And that's kind of the fun part. You know, there's still hazards to be avoided and, but maybe, you know, it kind of plays into the silliness a little bit. You kind of take out like a skates or you have a sled or something at the very top and you're going down the stairwells and you're kind of powering your yourself and it's meant to be more of a victory lap than like a final gauntlet in a way i like the idea too of of getting to the top and then um on the way down potentially getting just you have a rocket launcher or something that's at the top and the idea of maybe uh well, not only just the joy of being able to blow through like drywall and that sort of stuff as you slide down. So you almost have that Laura Croft or that Lara Croft, whatever the modern Laura Croft uh, pronunciation is. And the um, uh, where you're kind of in that slide mode, Jedi Fallen Order did some of the slidey stuff and then mm-hmm. but some sort of weapon or something along the way. So it is kind of an interactive slide down. But I'm also thinking, what if you had certain walls or structures or support beams that can't actually be you can't see the other side of them or access the other side of them on the platforming journey upward so you have to destroy some things on your way back down and so as you are climbing or scaling you're kind of making note of that i'm like oh yeah okay there's two pillars here that i'm gonna have to uh, eliminate that are that have structural weaknesses on the the other side of them so you get a little bit of a interaction or, or some game is made of the escape. One of my favorite scenes from an action movie is from Machete in which uh, the main kind of titular character is in a kind of an upper floor of a building, um, kills this guy with his machete, cuts him open, pulls out his intestines and then jumps out the window, uses the intestines from the guy to swing into the window on the flo- floor below him and it makes me think that like the outside of these big buildings and of outside the windows is a space that's not used all that often once you get into a building. You know, it's either uh, games like Just Cause where you're kind of locked outside and that's the only way you can scale a building is by being on the outside or, mm. you know, games like, uh, I mean, almost like everything else where you're inside a building and that is like, that is the only zone that is loaded in. You know, you can't exit the windows you can't you know everything is just kind of closed off so it'd be fun to kind of like be able to have those 
big action Mission Impossible moments where you are swinging out of windows and climbing the outside of buildings for a little while or jumping down and having to get back in. Uh, maybe if exits are blocked off or there's fires or falling rubble. Yeah, and I like the idea of uh, potentially being able to take some shortcuts on the way up. Maybe there's some lifts or escalators, elevators, things like that. Things that would actually kind of be fun as a kind of a beat up style fashion on your way up. Like the, it is, uh, <laughs> it's a streets of rage on the ascent and then it's, uh, you know, a downwell or something on the descent or something like that. What could we do? Uh, so the actual bomb planting seems kind of like the main thrust of what we're accomplishing here. I would love it if that wasn't like there is one pillar that is marked on your HUD that you need to plant the bomb. Like I, I like it to be interactive and choices to make and, you know, risks to take. Like I would love to have the choices to be able to set four bombs wherever I want to and to be able to kind of trigger them individually and, you know, kind of play off of the physics, of the building and, and really like make it difficult to kind of bring this building down. And, you know, having to kind of learn about support structures and, load bearing and all i mean this is probably teaching people pretty bad skills to have in real life <laughs> uh but just for the sake of the uh sake of the pitch anyways sure um i'd love it to be very kind of non-prescriptive yeah i i do like the idea of also potentially having to it almost becomes like a spelunky in that way if you are constantly having to blow things up on the way up. You know, avoid your own explosions. But the idea of as you you can kind of destroy infrastructure infrastructure slowly uh, on the way up. But I I love the idea of not only scoring the player both on their ascent time and their descent time, so you get this kind of thing where you're kind of always forcing a time pressure. If you start blowing things up on the way up uh, or destroying on the way up, then you kind of create this situation where you can like have, you know, your tower start to structurally collapse or move around or all of those sorts of things and really have like the tower feel super rickety the way that I think there was a fallout, um, not a fallout, but a uh, gosh, what are those far cry games where they really started to give you the feeling of like you're up on this very rickety moving around tower. And I think that that would be really cool to, to simulate, Oh, you're way up in the air. How do you sell that, that you've uh, destroyed the structure? Um, that's uh, enough time spent there. Let's give it a name. Something like downfall, maybe. Something that has that kind of iconic, almost Bond movie type of feel to it. I like Downfall. Yeah, and it and it, and it sounds a little bit like uh, Fall Down. Maybe we can design the, the cover so that it's not clear which word comes first or something. Yeah, they're like, one is upside down and yeah. kind of askew. Could you tell us who wrote that one again? Oh, yes. That is from Reddit user 50set80. Thank you very much. If you would like to submit a pitch of your own, we can always crawl the internet for it, but it would be much more convenient if you could send it to playwrightcast at gmail.com, playwrightcast.com slash pitch, or tweet at playwrightcast. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. And when you're not on Reddit <laughs> looking at the Game Ideas Reddit or listening to the album Blue Noise, why not go check out the latest episodes from the Sausage Factory Sound of Play and the Kane and Rinse podcast.
And to take us out of the show, we'll do a redacted game. Uh, yeah, redacted game. It is a game in which we guess the game that has been, <laughs> it has had its critic official uh, description redacted and obfuscated. <laughs> if a government released a description for a video game, this is might be what you get. That's right. So I think you are going to be challenging me today. This one is short and broad, but I wonder if you'll be able to get it. Redacted through 32 single player levels and six redacted levels of sheer terror and fully immersive sound and lighting. Arm yourself against the cannibalistic redacted, fiendish redacted, and indestructible redacted using lethal, and actually it says lethal, it's misspelled in the, the description, using lethal redacted, fierce redacted, and abominable rocket and grenade launchers. The last part is redacted. All right, so I'm getting this is a horror type experience. Um, this has a primarily single player, but it sounds like there is a multiplayer element mm -hmm. and it's divided up into levels, which is interesting because, and this is not a, uh, not a well-researched position to take, but off the top of my head, I would expect horror games to be kind of among the least likely to be level based. I like, would say, yeah, seem very kind of like the story kind of prompts them forward, you know, like silent Hill. Yeah. You don't really, I mean, there are levels, but you don't really divide it up that way mentally, I'd say. And, and not a ton of horror games. I feel like with multiplayer to your point, if that is what this mm -hmm. redacted word is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously there's some big ones like left for dead, but, uh, those would be, uh, that would be surprising for that one to lead with the single player option. <laughs> is this uh, is this in the Resident Evil series? It is not in the Resident Evil series. Cool. Uh, I can uh, I can work with that. That kind of takes it out of like the biggest of the you know top two or three horror series. So what does that leave us? I'm uh, hmm, let's see. So. So we have rocket launchers. There's uh, all, all of the kind of like weapon fetishization kind of makes me think of like House of the Dead light gun type games. But I feel like mm -hmm. we've done a House of the Dead game too recently for it to be coming back from the dead. But uh, and also like those games aren't strictly single player, like they're kind of drop in, drop out. It's not like there's a single player mode and then additional extras. Oh, you know what? Uh, no, no rockets. Shoot. <laughs> this would have been a great Luigi's Mansion 3 because that has primarily oh. single player with uh, around probably 32 floors, somewhere around mm. there, and then some additional multiplayer floors that you can, uh, you can go against. But I don't think the, uh, the weaponry <laughs> really fits in. <laughs> would you like some metadata? This is the number two best game of its platform of... <laughs> 1996. This is the most, the number two most discussed game of its platform of 1996, and the most, number three most shared game of its platform of 1996. Okay, can we, uh, can we hear the description again? Redacted through 32 single player levels and six redacted levels of sheer terror and fully immersive sound and lighting. Arm yourself against the cannibalistic redacted, fiendish redacted, an indestructible redacted, lethal, lethal, redacted, fierce redacted, and abominable rocket and grenade launchers. All right, is this Tomb Raider? 
liquid is not. Okay, alright. I feel like I'm I feel like this should be on PlayStation just due to the like it feels like a PlayStation game. <laughs> it does sound like a very edgelordy PS1 <laughs> description, doesn't it? Let's Although see, what other I think it's worth uh, you know I'm I, I'm sorry, I'll withhold that information. I think that is probably too much. I guess I guess Tomb Raider was a bad pick because that doesn't really have anything other than its single player offering. 1996, what was going on back then? Let's see. What was terrifying? 96. Is this a game that's primarily kind of like gameplay first or is it like a more of a story-based experience? I would say this is a gameplay forward game. Okay, all right. I will give you... Uh, I will give you some reviews, two reviews. Okay. Now here's the problem. I cannot find one negative user review of this game. <laughs> so that that by itself is the hint. All right. But l- let me uh, <laughs> let me give you this. If you hate, unfortunately, if you if you hate and hate is all caps redacted first person shooters and co op gameplay, you will still love title of game. Okay, first-person shooter from 1996. <laughs> kind of right on the cusp there. This is like, cause that was the year of Mario 64. Like, yeah, I don't know how many... I mean, there were first-person shooters. Oh, would... I guess... Uh, this is... <laughs> Are you going to ask me something I can't answer? <laughs> this, this feels a little bit too late for that, but it also... It also fits pretty well. So myself, I would have guessed that this game would have come out maybe a year before this, but is this Doom? Is that three? Yeah, that's three. <laughs> it's, it's like 2.5. Okay. I'm going to read you the description. Rage through 32 single player levels and six deathmatch levels of sheer terror and fully immersive sound and lighting. Arm yourself against the cannibalistic ogre, fiendish vor, an indestructible shambler, using lethal nails, fierce thunderbolts, and abominable rocket and grenade launchers, period, id software. Okay, so I was close. I don't know if I... Is this Quake then? Would this that be is it? Quake, yeah. You right. <laughs> you were right next to it. You are right next to it. Yeah, yeah. We got there eventually, but uh, interesting. All right, I, I have only ever played Quake 4, and so I'm really not that well-versed in the quake family of games so i should probably uh better acquaint myself but uh quake 4 was even quite a departure for the series it didn't carry over any of the kind of like mythological elements it's funny because quake for me was one of those i remember playing it installing it on floppy disk onto an old windows well i mean new newish windows machine at the time but uh yeah you you were so close with uh with uh, <laughs> Doom, a 94 on Metacritic, user score 8.8. Wow, nice. Yeah, apparently the the one person here in their 10 review says it's the opus magnum of id software and the whole FPS genre. Yeah, it looks like Doom was 93 anyways, so uh, December of 93. So not, uh, yeah, a couple of years off then. Well, very good anyways. Uh, didn't get it this week, but uh, we'll be back back with the vengeance next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.